just curious, within, who has been to a Monday night worship service within five years? Any, a Monday night? Seven, eight people. So that is, it's probably been a while for some of us that we've been to a worship service on a Monday night. You know, back in the good old day, revivals used to be all week, and they'd have a spring and a fall revival. I mean, you just, you lived at church that whole week. So that so this is the Monday night service here of Broadway's fall revival. So we're glad you're here tonight. It's first responder night. So we're gonna in a second we're gonna uh, recognize our first responders. We've got several. We just had a wonderful uh, dinner for them. A wonderful dinner for a lot of different folks. But before we do that, I want to um, mention our evangelist Keith Cook here on the front row. He did a fantastic job so far. Uh, we already have baptism lined up for uh, this coming. <laughs> What was it so far? Is that, yeah, so, so far, I don't have no promises tonight, so we're halfway. Now I'm about to talk about the offering. So, so far for our offering here, we are collecting an offering. We collected one last night, tonight, tomorrow night, and Wednesday night. It's a love offering, and we're going to give that to Keith. So I want to encourage you to give. If you didn't come to give tonight, that's okay. We've got tomorrow and Wednesday night. And uh, I want to encourage you to uh, certainly do that, give a, a, a love offering. Keith is an evangelist, means he travels around. He, he's been to 80 countries, as he shared. He goes and holds festivals and crusades in different countries, as well as he goes in churches. He's a member of First Baptist Church of Jolton. Did I pronounce it right? It's, it's in the northwest part of Nashville, in Davidson County. So that's where he's been. He's, he grew up in Springfield. But you were born in, in a hospital. It, oh, and... Right, on the other side, over there in Dyersburg, over there. But he was born in a hospital. Wasn't born in a barn. Folks in Bama were born in a barn. <laughs> but he was born in a hospital, so that. So, that, so. But we want to give a wonderful offering to Keith Cook. So I want to share about that. <clears throat> Donovan, you come on. Donovan Stewart, where is Donovan at? You come on here and stand up. While Donovan comes on up here, if you are a first responder... We want you to stand up at this time. All of our first responders, stand up. We want to get them We are blessed to have a wonderful Lexington Police Department, Fire Department, as well as paramedics here. Donovan is our Lexington Police Department. He's the police chaplain. And we're blessed. He's going to come and share testimony and share what God's laid on his heart. Donovan. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Daniel. On behalf of Chief Weathers and the Lexington Police Department, thank you so much for having us here to celebrate with you tonight. We are very grateful for our community partners. We are thankful for those who support us in the police department. We all know that uh, we live in a day and time where police officers have to make some very hard decisions. Many times decisions that can be scrutinized and uh, evaluated for weeks, months, years afterwards. So it's grateful for those who pray for us, those who support us, those who know that your police officers, though they are not perfect every time, they're trying to be, amen? That they're trying to do the best they can in pretty hard situations. And so we thank you for that. As uh, Pastor Daniel said, my name is Donovan Stewart, and I'm from the fine state of West Virginia. Yeah. 
I knew I liked this crowd in here. West Virginia. You know why the state motto used to be almost heaven? Because it's next to Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely a Kentucky boy now, but I grew up in West Virginia. I grew up on the Ohio River as a river rat, and my grandparents gave me a drug problem as a child. Drug me to church. Amen. Amen. Took me to church as a child. Gave me a great respect for the church and a fear of God, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ at that time in my life. And so as I grew older, you know, middle school, especially high school, sports, athletics became my God. And I know that you can't tell that now, but uh, back then I was in pretty good shape, uh, specifically basketball. Ray knows a lot about this. I've, uh, I've broke his ankles quite a few times on the basketball court, but... Um, <laughs> Ray's basketball game needs deodorant because it stinks. But, um, but anyway, I, uh, I wanted to play college ball. And so uh, I attempted to go to Marshall University, go herd, up in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, with the desire to walk on their basketball team. However, I was kind of naive on the legwork you had to do before you could walk on a D1 school. Now you have to know the right people and probably have to give quite a bit of money to the program beforehand, but didn't happen. When I did not receive that call after the tryout, I thought for sure I had it. You know, I thought I was NBA bound, right? But when that didn't happen, I had an identity crisis, really, that bubble burst in my life. And I made some poor decisions. I joined a fraternity, and I don't highly recommend that at all, but I got involved in a fraternity to find that camaraderie, find that fellowship, find that meaning and purpose, but again, I was seeking it apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. But God was still working in my life and had his hand up on me. I still have my little Gideon Bible at home, walking across campus, a Gideon handing out the little green Gideon Bible. Took that back to my apartment and spread the information in the back and made my little commitment but I did not get involved in a good Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church, one like you have here at Broadway Baptist. It wasn't until the fall of 1999, between my schooling and coming to the Lexington Police Department, I was working at a Big Bear Plus, kind of like a generic Walmart, if you will, up in Huntington. And I was bagging groceries, running a register there, and my now wife, Becky, raise your hand, my lovely bride over there, my beautiful brunette, I met her there. She came in. She was very involved with a campus ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, crew called today. And uh, she had known Christ from a young girl, grew up in a good Christian home, and uh, was an active in school. She was a D1 athlete, amen. She ran full cross-country and track scholarship there and, uh, and beautiful and came in there to bag some groceries for the campus ministry to go on a conference. And I was just trying to earn, um, let's just say, beverage money. And uh, while we were there, we were on different trajectories, but I thought she was cute. So I asked her for her number, and I had to finally coax it out of her, and I called her that night. And the first thing she asked was, are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, I don't want to waste my time, no matter how handsome you are. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> But of course, at that point in time, I said, oh, absolutely, absolutely, I know Jesus, but it wasn't a real relationship with Christ. But within a short period of time, after seeing what she had with the Lord, after us being a little bit involved with that campus ministry, 
God brought together that background with my grandparents, that Gideon Bible, the conviction I was under, the sense of purpose, uh, purpose that I was seeking in my life. In the fall of 1999, I became a Christ follower. Amen. I trusted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, gave myself to him, believed in what Jesus did for me, his perfect life, sinless death, and visible resurrection. I put my trust fully and completely in that reality in the fall of 1999. So I came down to the police department as a brand new babe in Christ, just a brand new disciple, uh, very passionate for the Lord, but the ignorance on fire, if you will. Got in the academy and fortunately had a lot of others in my academy class who were believers in Jesus. And uh, my wife and I found a local church here in Fayette County jumped in, got involved. The pastor there was uh, just a country boy from Corbin, Kentucky. So we spoke the same language, redneck, right? And so I really appreciate that. He took me, uh, took to me, to, became a father figure, if you will. I was 21, really young in my faith, really young in life, newly married, first big boy job, trying to figure out life. And here was this older but godly man who began to mentor and groom me, went on staff at that church, uh, worked third shift patrol for about five and a half years while working bivocationally on staff at that local church. I was appointed full-time as our chaplain for the agency. So I came off patrol to work in our administration full-time as our chaplain in July of 2006. About uh, three weeks after being appointed as chaplain, we had a terrible community crisis, the 5191 plane crash. And so I had the distinct but very difficult um, charge of leading the chaplaincy response to that as a brand new rookie chaplain. So uh, since that time, I've developed a really strong faith-based partnership where I've been networking with good pastors and community leaders, such as your pastor, to build this group. So when we have, God forbid, the next big event, we have many more resources, many more churches and congregations many more uh, opportunities to serve those who have been impacted. So I'm grateful for your pastor and your church being involved in that program. Well, I went on and uh, did some other ministry work in the area. And recently, my wife and I just planted a church trying to reach police officers and their families. So we would covet your prayers in that. We're seeing God do some amazing, amazing things. But I'm grateful to be here, grateful for you, grateful for this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Daniel, for inviting us. Thank you, Broadway Baptist Church, for loving us and showing your support. Would it be okay if I prayed for you guys? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this good church. Thank you, God, for the body of believers in our community. God, we know that your vineyard is larger than we recognize. There are people all across our city who love you and who love your bride, the local church. God, I thank you for Broadway Baptist Church. This has been a Bible preaching church for many years. They have impacted so many in this community. Thank you, God, for their pastor. I pray for him and for his wife and for his beautiful children. God, I pray you'll continue to anoint him for the great privilege of leading this flock. God, I thank you for this special service tonight. Thank you for the appreciation to first responders all across this area. God, I thank you for the Lexington Police Department. 
God, I thank you, Father, for our transit police department, UK police department, our airport police department, our sheriff's department, just to name a few. God, we have many partnerships all through this community to make sure that we are protecting and serving our community well. God, I thank you, God, that we have this uh, network of first responders that work well together. And we can only do what we do because of the support of our community. So I thank you, God, that a high percentage, a very high percentage, support our agencies. A very low percentage are antagonistic and disruptive, God. Help us always to remember that truth. And God, most of all today, we realize that first responders are just living out vocationally what you've already called them and equipped them to do, to be servants. And God, we're never more like Jesus Christ than when we are serving. God, I love in Mark chapter 10, it says that you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life a ransom for many. God, we thank you tonight for the salvation we have in Jesus. God, I thank you tonight for the salvation I have in you. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. May we never, ever get over that reality. God, I want to pray again for our evangelist tonight. Bless my brother. Use him, God, to speak your words with boldness, with authority, God, and from the word that can allow transformation and growth to take place in our lives. God, we love you. And we promise the best of our ability as you lead us, we'll follow. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
someone here tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And tonight, 
will be that night. We pray, Lord, for this offering may be used to glorify your name. Bless both the gift and the giver. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we fail you. And may everything that's said and done here honor and glorify your name. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
Thank you. <laughs> Where did you guys come from? <laughs> I tell you what, it is so good to see you tonight. And wasn't the music tonight and the testimony, wasn't that fantastic? Let's give the Lord a hand. Oh, wow. This, this church is so, so, so blessed. Say, I'm blessed. Well, let me ask you a question. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you're from this church, okay, I want you to lift your hand like, you, like you're glad to be here. Let me see. Oh, let me look around. Let me look around. Oh, wow. Some of you have claimed. You're claiming the place. Amen. Amen. Good to see you tonight. So there's some visitors here, and we want to say welcome to you. Thank you for taking a chance and coming out tonight on a Monday night. This is like Monday night football. Amen. We're going to see what God does. I'm, I tell you what, uh, God's doing some great things. We've had some wonderful services, and God is just pouring out His Spirit on us. For those that have an ear to hear, they hear. Amen? Well, most of you know already, I'm a Tennessee hillbilly. Say hillbilly. Yeah, I'm a hillbilly. I'll admit it. But the pastor, he warned me. He said I had to wear shoes. So I, I wore shoes tonight. I'm glad to be here. I sure am. This is such a beautiful place. You are so blessed to live where you live. And uh, no matter what the chaplain said, this is a wonderful place. I, I heard, I tell you what, I wrote down some of your, your little comments. They're pretty cool. <laughs> I'll use those in the next revival. <laughs> uh, but you're blessed also to have uh, someone working with the first responders, the, with the police in the way that he does. Do we not need to pray for them? And ask God to bless them. Can we just use the, the chaplain as our representative tonight to just sort of stand in the gap for everybody that does similar things to what he's doing? Do you mind standing one time? And let's just all stretch out our hands towards him. And let's just pray for them. Can we do that? Dear Lord God, we thank you so much for the men and women who risk their lives for us. Oh Lord, we know that many times we see them and, and, and we avoid them because we're, we're doing stuff we shouldn't, like speeding, and, or, or we're, we're taking risks that we shouldn't. But God, they're taking risks every day to keep us safe. And God, I pray that you would just help them, protect them, protect their families, and Lord, just use them as they serve us and bless them as they serve us. And God, I thank you for godly men and women who stand in the gap for this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Well, I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to be talking about boldness. I got to thinking about, I got to thinking about the men and the women that we're honoring tonight. They're pretty bold people because they risked their life. But you know, I believe that God wants us to be risk takers and risk our lives for the, the cause of Christ. God wants to use you and me. He wants to use us to do great and mighty things in his name. God is greater than any terror out there. He's greater than any problem out there. And he wants to use you and me to get something done. Tonight, I want to read the word of God to you. Look in verse 29 of Acts chapter 4. The Bible says, And now, Lord, take note of the threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through 
Though in the name, in, wow, I love this right here. Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And then the Bible says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now look in verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed their own. Wow. God wants us to allow him to do something tonight, just like what happened in that church. God wants to use you and me to move revival from heaven to earth. Would you like to see God move in a great and powerful way tonight? It's going to take you and me getting right with God. You know, God wants something done in our culture. God wants something done right now. And how in the world is it going to happen? Well, God works in many mysterious ways. There are three things, basically, that happens when God wants something done. The first thing is, He uses the miraculous. Have you ever seen a miracle? And I'm not talking about Tennessee winning a football game. I'm... I'm Used to be Kentucky winning a football game. But now it's Tennessee. But have you ever seen a real miracle? Oh, my dear friends, I have. One night I was preaching, and I was having a good time, and I, I was preaching, and there was crowds of people. We were outdoors, and uh, people, everybody from the community came out that night. And, and I'm not uh, one of those name it, claim it kind of guys. I talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't manipulate people and say, you know, if you bring $99 and God's going to heal you, I don't have healing oil and cloths and all that kind of stuff. I was just preaching the gospel. And people responded to the gospel. And it was such a fantastic sight to see people coming forward and saying yes to Jesus. And this one little lady, she got saved. Woo she was in the back, sitting about where you are. <laughs> not, not that far back, not the guy on the back wall back there. But a little bit closer. She was sitting right about back there in a chair. And she got saved and she walked to the front. Well, she walked and someone sort of helped her. And I thought, well, she might be a little bit old, but she came to the front. And uh, we were so excited that she got saved and some others had gotten saved. And she's there. And uh, after the service is over, I, I basically just was, was just amazed. And I was just so amazed. I, I actually did this right here. I was sitting on the edge of the platform. Now, if you ever see a pastor or an evangelist sitting on the edge of the platform, they are totally, totally relaxed. That's just something we don't normally do. Normally, we sit in the chair, you know, we act all holy and spiritual. But when we're, when we're really relaxed, we know everybody's in one accord. We know the Spirit of God has moved. Then we sort of take some liberties. You know what I'm talking about? Sort of like me right now. I'm totally relaxed because you guys are receiving this word so well. Well, this is sort of what I did. I was just sitting there, and uh, they brought the little lady over to me, and, and I thought they were going to just introduce her because she'd gotten saved, and I was so excited, and the counselors had already talked with her. Well, they brought her over, and they said, this woman wants to talk to you. She's got something important to tell you that God told her. Well, I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty good. She gets saved. God talked to her. That's cool. Well, she goes, I'm blind. I said, okay. And she goes, I was 
I live in town at a, at, at a blind home. And they brought me here tonight, but the reason they brought me here tonight is because while I was at the blind home, God spoke to me and says, if you will go to that meeting you heard about, I will heal you tonight. I said, he did. <laughs> Are you sure it was God? She goes, yeah, I heard from God. I said, ma'am, you understand that I, I have no power. She said, but God talked to me. I said, okay. I said, well, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I'm not kidding you. She's looking right at me try, with her eyes. There's just nothing. And all of a sudden, the cloudy eyes became clear, and my face was the first thing she ever saw. And she could see. Well, you know what I did? I went home and I wrote a book and I started a new ministry. No, I didn't. God did that. Well, I told her, I said, now you know that had nothing to do with me because I, I didn't use oil, I didn't use a cloth, I didn't shake them and quake them and from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. None of that. None of the stuff you see on television. I just asked her before I prayed, I said, did God tell you? Because there's a lot of times you pray for people, Right? A lot of times we pray for people and we want them to be healed and we desire them to be healed. But I said, according to what God has told you, we receive his word for you to be healed tonight. And she was healed. Well, I tell you what, they took her own home. She went home and we are rejoicing. I mean, my whole team, because we'd never seen anything like that happen at an outdoor crusade like that. Whew. Well, we're taking down all the chairs, fixing up getting all this equipment and we're packing everything up and they come walking up. the woman comes walking back up and somebody is by her side like helping her and I thought oh no she didn't really get saved she really didn't get healed oh god what am I going to do she's coming back and she can't really see anymore because someone's having to help her get here well she comes up to me and she goes on the way back home God told me you're going to laugh, but she said, God told me that he wanted to heal my boyfriend, too. <laughs> he was blind. She was walking him up. And I said, ma'am, you understand it's, it's, it's not automatic. Just because we want it, it's, it's all God. She said, but God told me. I said, okay. I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name, be healed. And that man was healed, too. Now listen, it has never happened like that since. But let me tell you something, God still performs miracles. Amen? Amen. Now you're looking at me and you're saying, you're not a Baptist. Yes, I am. You can call my pastor. I hadn't caused any trouble in that church. <laughs> Pastor's looking at me like, oh boy, I'm going to call your pastor now. But listen, God uses the miraculous. Then... God uses natural, normal means. Amen? That's like this church. You're doing so many good things. God is using the works, the good works, the spiritual works that you're doing, and they're bringing the glory of God into the community. The chaplain, you're doing the same thing. God is using this natural program that man has put in place, that God has put in place through these men, 
a good idea that is now spreading to help people in crisis times. So God uses so many different things to meet people's needs. The miraculous and the natural. But then God uses divine appointments. That's when God gives you and me the opportunity to get in on what he's doing and he puts us at the right place and the right time. Amen? Don't you like it and love it when you just know it's God and you know it's not you? Listen, when I prayed for that little lady, I knew. I was saying, listen, in my prayers, it was like, oh God, what am I going to do? Nobody's going to come tomorrow night. I'm a fraud. I'm a failure. Oh Lord, they're going to run me out of town because I'm praying for this lady. You know, God, deliver me. But God did it. God uses divine appointments. Now, the cool thing that I want you to see tonight, straight from the, the scripture, is how you and I can be bold enough to get in on what God has for us. God's got something good for us to do. Now, how to be bold? Do you, how many of you want to be bold? Come on now. Some of you are going, I don't know, I'm too old to be bold. <laughs> I can tell you this, now that I am an older man, I'm not nearly as threatening as I used to be. Used to be I could just look at people and they just quake. I'm kidding. But you know, being bold, you can be bold in yourself. I can remember when I was a young guy, when I played football, I was pretty strong and pretty tough. I, I could pick people up over my hands, you know, little skinny people, throw them. <laughs> it was easy. And people were scared of me, and I didn't know why. I was just a big clod, you know. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. You can have boldness and arrogance and, and, and pride and all kinds of things, and God won't use that at all. You hear me? But if you want to be bold for the gospel and for God, God will use that and take that and do great and mighty things. I want you to look in the scriptures. It says in verse 31, And when they had prayed, if you want to be bold and have God be with you, the first thing you need to get in check is you've got to know how to pray. And you've got to pray pointed prayers, prayers that take risk, prayers that really mean something, prayers that move heaven to earth. You know, they knew where their power was coming from, and they were trusting that God's help would come. That's why they prayed. The early disciples lived in an attitude of crisis all the time. Their whole world was doomed. Their whole world was crumbling. Everything was changing so fast. Sort of like America today. Everything is changing. Everything's up in the air, right? Things that we used to count on and depend on, we can't count on them and depend on them anymore. The saints, the people that we've depended on, our mentors, those people that we have looked to, many of them have gone on and we don't know what to do without their influence and their power and their wisdom. But God says, I want to do something in your day. I want to do something right now in you. I want to do something through you that will make an impact on culture today. The Bible says they prayed. The one reason that I believe this revival has been so successful and that we're still coming, we're still here, we're still feeling the power of God is because before, <laughs> before we did anything, before you did anything, you had prayer meetings and you had 24 hours of prayer. Amazing. I got so tickled when I found out you were doing that. It was amazing when I heard that you were praying. But see, when you pray, what does God do? He answers. When you pray, when you trust Him and pray, you're not working it up, you're not hyping it up, you're not publicity it up, 
You're praying, you're trusting God. God wants us to pray. Have you, have you ever prayed for something and had God say yes? Don't you love it when he says yes? Whew. I'll never forget when I took my wife to be. <laughs> she wasn't my wife to be then. She was just my girlfriend. I took her up on top of a mountain. And before we went up on top of that mountain, I prayed and I said, Lord God, I love this woman with all my heart. And I pray that tonight when I ask her <laughs> to marry me, that she will say yes. I told my best friend, he goes, whoop, God's not going to answer that prayer. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He says, well, my girlfriend, who is your girlfriend's best friend, said that she better not hear anything like that from you anytime soon. But I'd pray. When I'd pray, I'd pray. And I was about to get sh shaken, I thought. <laughs> but I got her up on top of that mountain in Montana. And I said, Joan, I'd love to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you be my wife? And she, you know what she said? She said, yes. <laughs> I rode. I rode all the way down that mountain. I said, he was wrong. He was wrong. God was right. <laughs> God is so good, isn't he? Oh, I mean, she was the cutest, sweetest little thing I'd ever seen. And she should not have said yes. If she just looked at me. But praise God, she looked to God. And God told her to say yes. And boy, she was scared to death. She called her mama. And her mama goes, why'd you call me and wake me up? <laughs> then the whole way home from Montana, she was so worried. But if it had been God, guess what? She'd have backed out. <laughs> the good thing is God loves us and he answers our prayer. The Bible says the early church, they prayed. And when they prayed, something happened. The Bible goes on to say they were gathered together. Now listen, there is something cool. There is something spiritual. There's something anointed about getting together with other believers. Amen? Yes, it is so good. Did you really love that music tonight? Did that not get you excited? Yes. I bowed on my knees. Wow, that's just something. That just, I got chill bumps even then, thinking about that guy singing that song. Cried, holy, holy, holy. There's something cool about being in God's church. There's something cool about meeting other believers that you do not know. It is so exciting. You know, I go to First Baptist Church, Jolton, and I try to be as faithful as I can. But look, I'm there about once every six weeks. I'm the most unfaithful, faithful member they got. Okay? They put in this special little, little program at the church where you could electronically give your tithe and offering. Just for me. Not because I make so much. It's just because the pastor didn't want me to go out and preach and be sinning. So, we, you know, every month, every week it goes in, you know, and they get their money even if I'm out on the road, you know. It's pretty funny. But it's cool. God wants to do something. He wants us to gather together. And I'm so thrilled. I'm not, I'm not just saying this to, to, to just, you know, make you laugh. I was so excited when I walked in here and saw people tonight. You don't know how many revivals I've been a part of where Sunday night and Sunday morning was glorious, but Monday night it was me and the pastor going to dinner. <laughs> I wonder, I, last night I got worried when you go, well, <laughs> you can eat the pork chops or you and me can go out later. And I was thinking, 
why would I want to do that? I guess, you, you know, you may have had a little doubt too. No, I'm kidding. But the good news is, when we gather together, there is joy. Say joy. Okay, I promise you I'm going to be through soon. Then the Bible says, they were together. They were together. They weren't just gathered. They were really together. Turn to the person beside you and say, I think you're pretty cool. Yeah. I'm glad you're sitting beside me. Isn't it great not just to gather in this place, but really be together as one? Do you like that person sitting beside you? Yeah. Smack them in the side if you do. Just say, wake up, wake up. Okay. Then the Bible says, when they had prayed, they were gathered together. And then what happens? The Bible goes on to say, they were shaken. Now, I'm not telling, like, my wife has shook me before. What are you doing? You know, what are you thinking? No. They were shaken by God. They were shaken by God. They were moved by God. Listen, I had a father <laughs> when I got to church tonight. I was so, I, I was running late because I got in this traffic jam out here. Look, I can see where I'm staying. I'm seeing just right over there. Pastor told me when to be here. And I thought, okay, last night it took, uh, I drove a little fast. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my. It took, it took me about a minute and a half, two minutes to get over here last night. Tonight, 22 minutes. And so I'm running into the church saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. He said, Don't worry about it. But before I got into the church, a father met me and said, my son prayed yesterday. And when we got home last night, he told me, he told me he prayed and asked Jesus into his heart. Is that not worth it all? Oh my Lord, that shook me. Oh, that shook me. And listen, when God shakes you, you know it's God. God wants us to know that he is still saving people he's still redeeming people he's still anointing people he is still in control and he wants to shake us he wants to move us wow god allowed them to get in on what he was doing and they allowed god to touch their lives are you willing to let god shake you tonight are you willing to let god shake you up and show you things that you do not know. Give you insights into your spiritual life and into your personal life that you do not know. God wants you to be bold. Then the Bible goes on to say they were filled with the Spirit. And you know, and, and some people read this and say, and when they were filled with the Spirit, and, and, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they started speaking in tongues, or they started healing people, or they started doing backflips and dressing strange and putting buns on top of their hair, you know, and Going to all-night prayer meetings for three years in a row, you know. Nope. That's not it. They didn't sit around singing kumbaya. The Bible says, and when they were filled, they began to what? Speak the word of God with boldness. You see, when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, what that really means, listen to me, I'm going to tell you the truth. 
When someone is filled, you know what that means? It doesn't mean they're strange. It doesn't mean they do strange things. When people are filled with the Spirit, it means they're empty of self. God filled them with the Holy Spirit. They had all the power of God in their lives. They had all the potential that God had for them in their lives. They were really filled with God. And they began to speak the Word. Say the Word. The Word. One more time. The Word. They began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Listen, the first time I can remember, I was saved as a teenager. All right? The first time my youth director, back then, youth directors were pretty crazy. He took us out and dropped us off on all over town and said, do not come back to church until you've talked to someone about Jesus and won them to the Lord. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> and I'm standing there, okay, I hadn't been a Christian long, and uh, I'm just walking down the road, and so I'm looking for somebody, you know, I'm just looking. And, and I saw this one old dude, sorry, sorry, sorry. Saw this old man. <laughs> That's even worse. I saw this person, politically correct. I saw this person walking down the road, and I thought, well, he's old. If he gets mad at me, I can run pretty quick, get away from him. And so I went over and said, hello, you mind? I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Jesus saved me. I bet you're dying. You're going to die and go to hell. Let me tell you the truth about Jesus. He died on the cross for you. He loves you. You must call on his name to be saved. You want to be saved right now? He looked at me and said, young man. I'm a deacon at Springfield Baptist Church. <laughs> I go to church with you. <laughs> Young man, I think I'm going to heaven. <laughs> and I thought, well, you can know. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> he had a little Methodist in him. <laughs> and I walked away from that. And all my boldness went south. I'm walking around with my head down, thinking I'm not ever going to get to go back to church. <laughs> and I'm walking down Main Street, Springfield, Tennessee. There's not much to it, but I was there. And a guy comes walking out of a store, a men's store. And I played football with him. And uh, this was back years ago in the 70s. He was my, one of my best friends. And, and back then, blacks and whites weren't supposed to be friends. And uh, we were. And George came walking out of the men's store. And he goes, Cook, what's wrong with you? It looks like someone just shot your mama. <laughs> I said, man, I just made a dummy of myself. I, my, my youth pastor brought me out here and said I couldn't go back to church till I told somebody about Jesus and, and they came to, to know Christ. And I, I mean, I went up to this old man <laughs> and I told him and I forgot to ask him his name. I forgot to do anything. I just basically just blurted out everything I knew about Jesus. And he was already a Christian. And he started laughing. He says, well, Keith, why don't you tell me? I said, George, you really want to know? He goes, yeah. He says, I don't think I'm a Christian. Why don't you tell me? 
I said, well, he goes, because really, you've changed so much since you became a Christian, that might be good for me. And right there, I was able to lead George to faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, and when they were saved, they were praying, they were filled, they got bold. And you see, God wants you to have boldness, and he wants to give you holy boldness that will really matter. And God wants to do great and mighty things through you. Amen? It says they were gathered together, they had prayed, they were filled, and they began to speak the word of God. Holy boldness. How do you have it? Number one, believe that what you're doing really matters. Does it matter that you're here in church tonight? You think it? It really does. It really matters. Do what God has called you to do. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Openly obey what God tells you to do. You have to openly obey. You see, you have to proclaim what God has told you. Or you will shrink back into inactivity. I'm telling you the truth. I was going to do a, re a revival one night. And as I'm driving to the revival, God's, God's was speaking to me. When, when I say God was speaking to me, it's not like, hello, you know, Charlton Heston kind of voice. It's like in my heart, in my mind, I'm, I'm hearing from the Lord. And God says, what are you asking me to do tonight? I said, well, God, save people. And he goes, well, what do you mean, save people? And I said, well, I want you to save everybody. He goes, now, how many is everybody? And I said, God, how many do you want to get saved tonight? And God said, I believe, 26 people. Okay. God, you want 26 people to make a decision tonight? I said, okay. When I got to the church... The pastor said, Keith, what's, what's wrong? You look really serious. And I said, well, God just told me something. And if I'm not hearing from God, I'm hearing from the wrong person. <laughs> and I, I wrote down what God told me. And I put it in an envelope. And I said, after church tonight, I want us to open this envelope. And I said, if, if what God told me it doesn't happen I'm gonna take a break get right with God and figure out what's going on I preached that night and after the service during the invitation nobody moves nobody they had a balcony and, and there were a lot of kids a lot of folks up in the balcony and they were just up there it's, I thought, passing notes and doing whatever. Nobody moved. First verse, nobody moved. Second verse, nobody moved. On the third verse, someone sitting right where you're sitting, <laughs> right here, got up from their seat and came and knelt at the altar. That's all they did. The second they hit the altar, God said, watch. I'm it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm about to, to go out of the ministry when, the second I say amen. 
they hit their knees. When I see them hit their knees, God said, watch. I look up, and all of a sudden, the whole balcony gets up, and they start walking down, and they all come to the altar, and 26 people got saved. Now, did I manipulate that? No. No. God did it. Do you think I trust God? I have to trust God. Do you think I believe God? You better believe it. Because when he talks, I got to listen. We have to believe God. We have to trust God. It's all that matters. You have to proclaim your intentions. And then you have to lay it on the line. You have to risk it all. I went and did a, a service, and half of the people there were Muslim. Half of the people there, they had a Muslim background. Half of the people there had a Hindu background. And half the people there had no religion or Christian background. Okay? Terrorists had just infiltrated everything around where we were. But we still had this community event, and we filled a soccer stadium, and we're there preaching the gospel. And it's powerful. We used everything we could to get people to come out. We used cultural programming. We did everything we could, and they're out there, and they're listening. During the invitation, I said, if, if you love Jesus, I want you to pray right now and ask God to save those around you. And I said, if you're standing there right now, someone is praying for you that you get saved. In the name of Jesus, come right now. If you pray tonight and ask Jesus into your heart. And I mean, people start coming really slow, but they're moving out and they're coming down. There's a guy way in the back, way, 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 about where the <laughs> sound guys are, but about a mile away from that. He's way at the top, the last guy on the bleachers, and he stands up and he goes, Woo! 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 Glory to God! God! Yes! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! And he takes off running down those stairs, those bleachers, and he jumps over the fence gets onto the ground and runs and stands right in front of me. Jesus, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, I love you. I thought, oh my goodness, who is this crazy guy? And all these other people are just scared to death and everybody's forming us like a horseshoe. You know, they're all out here acting nice and organized and he's just right here. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Well, the counselors come, they come and they're talking with everybody, but nobody will talk to this guy. Now, I forgot to tell you, I have three... <laughs> three interpreters that night that are speaking three different languages and they're all sitting up there beside me and nobody's going to talk to this guy and I said listen God, this guy's right here and he's making a lot of noise but he may have gotten saved so you, you need to send somebody to talk to him and they said no I said what do you mean no they said no I go why they said that guy's a terrorist I said what do you mean he's a terrorist he said he's a Muslim terrorist I mean, he's killed people. And, and so they were scared. They all wanted to step back. And I said, well, I watched him for about five minutes. And, and it was obvious. He was praising Jesus. He was proclaiming the name of the Lord. And tears were coming down his cheeks. I said, that guy just got saved. And so we go down. Eventually, they timidly go with me. And we talk with the guy. And that man got saved. Amen? Amen. Wow. It was cool. 
The next night, he comes back to the festival. They bring him up onto the platform, and you know what he does? He'd gone home that night, and he had written a song telling about his new love for Jesus. Listen, the week before, he was killing Christians. This week, he is praising God with Christians. Wow. A year later, I came back. Listen, a year later, I came back and did a festival on the other side of the island where I was. The man was there. He looked like a deacon at the church. God had changed his life. Now listen, God wants to demonstrate his power, but we have to lay it on the line and risk it all. We have to do what God has said for us to do, and then we will see his power. Now, the key to making all this happen, can you see it there? The key is it takes a congregation of believers it takes a congregation of believers that really live their faith. People listen. People out there are still looking for a church. They're looking for community with other believers. This is what they look for. They look for stability. Say stability. stability. They look for community, community. and relativity. Do we relate to them? Do we love them? Do we care for them? People are looking. It takes a congregation of believers who really believe, who have one heart, who have all things in common, and it's the Lord that's the one common denominator. Tonight, do you want to be bold? Are you willing to do anything for Jesus? Are you willing to take a stand for Christ? Are you willing to put it all on the altar tonight? Let's stand. Tonight, God wants you to have holy boldness. Not just boldness, but holy boldness. In order for you to have what God has for you, you must lay hold of all that he has. Listen, if you don't know for sure tonight that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven, you must know Jesus to get into heaven. Heaven is a real place. There is no sin in heaven. And if we die with a sinful, dirty heart, never submitting to Christ, we will not go to heaven. We will go to hell. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your position is. I don't care who you are. There's no way of escaping hell without Jesus. But the good news is that Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be holy and come and live forever with him in heaven when you die. Tonight, if you've never called on the name of Jesus... This altar is going to be open in a moment for you to come and give your life to Christ and surrender it all. Jesus really died on the cross for you. He arose from the dead for you. And he wants to provide life for you. Don't risk your life, your spiritual life, your eternal life, not knowing whether or not you're going to heaven when you die. Tonight, if you're here and you're a believer and you want to be bold, you need to be bold and take a step and risk it all and show the devil tonight by your action. I'm going to ask you to do something in a minute and you need to show the devil tonight by your action that you're going to be bold, you're going to let God use you and the devil has lost control of your boldness. God's got it. 
Tonight, many of you are here and you need to be bold. You're afraid of baptism or you're afraid of joining the church. You're afraid of certain things in your life. And God says, I want you to give that up and surrender it all to me. So tonight, what I want to ask you to do, let's bow our heads right here. And I want to pray for you that God would give you holy boldness tonight to do what he wants you to do. That you would do everything he wants you to do. Now tonight, if you don't know Christ in a moment and I ask you to come to this altar I want you to come and I want you to take the pastor's hand and say, Pastor, share with me how I can go and know about heaven. Know about Jesus and become a believer. If you're here tonight and you're a believer and you want holy boldness in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come and join me at the altar. And if you want God's boldness, I want you by faith to step out even though it's late, even though it's, it's, you've maybe done something like this before in the past, I want to ask you to come and, and demonstrate by your coming that you're going to let God direct your steps and your stops. Dear Lord God, please tonight, I pray, it's not by my might, it's not by my prayers, it's by your spirit. And God, I pray tonight you would move on the hearts of people here tonight. If there's one here tonight that does not know for sure that they would be with you if they died tonight. God, these first responders see it all the time. People that thought they had more time, but they don't have it. God, if there's any here tonight that are running out of time or misusing their time, but they need you tonight, God, I pray that they would make that decision and come. And tonight I believe that there are many believers in this place that need holy boldness. The devil has them living in fear. of what, They don't know what to say. They don't know how to live. But you've got the power. And you want to give it to them in the form of holy boldness. So Lord God, help them tonight to come. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Pastor, if you would, could you come and stand here at the front? I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I want you to join Pastor and me at the front. If you want holy boldness tonight, if you want the Lord to use you tonight, if you're not going to shrink back, you come right now in the name of Jesus. One, two, three. Come on. If you're physically able, come on right now. Don't, don't hold back. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the place they had gathered together in was shaken. Amen. Obedience. Obedience is so much better.